0: She said, I heard about you. I heard about your weight loss results, my friend, blah, blah, blah. That's all. That's the only way I got clients was referrals. And it was one client at a time and I was not making ends meet. So I was on Idaho state food stamps. And she said, I want to come to you for weight loss. She ended up losing 55 pounds in five months. And in about the month, the first month in, she said, I feel fantastic. This is incredible. The world needs to hear this. I'm a business coach. Let me help you. And I said, okay. And I blindly trusted her and Boom. I mean, it went, I made my first million in one year and I hit 10 million in three and a half years. And so it exploded. And that's because I listened to somebody so much smarter than me.
1: Welcome to the building to scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, has a long entrepreneurial history himself, having started and run multiple businesses. Today, he is the founder and CEO of Admentis, where he uses the entrepreneurial operating system to bring clarity to business leaders and provide the foundation they need to successfully scale their business. We believe that some of the best sources of information and experience for growing a successful business are our entrepreneurial peers. Stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest on the show.
2: Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here again with Building the Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity really to speak with entrepreneurial business owners, leaders, and thought influencers here that just really hearing their stories, their both challenges and successes as they've grown their business over the years to where it is today. So Today's guest with me is Christy Code Red Nickel with uh, Code Red Fitness and Nutrition. So Christy, first off, welcome to the show and thanks for taking a little bit of
0: your time out here thank you for having me. I was just looking at the reflection of my mohawk. I was like, look, I got to have like an intro for me and an intro for my mohawk. It's getting kind of wild and crazy. I don't know if you've had guests on like this before, but here we are.
2: (laughs) No, it fits right with your title there. So I I think we're going to have to do a little bit more intro here and tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, obviously the mohawk there.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I I created a nutrition program that enables people to lose 10% of their body weight every month without shakes, pills, diet foods, and exercise. And so that's kind of like my elevator like yeah that's what i do you know but i certainly uh i'm at 10 million a year now but i certainly didn't get there i came from i was actually receiving idaho state food stamps uh a very short you know less than four years ago oh
2: wow okay so tell us a little bit more about about that journey kind of a thing where the where the entrepreneurial side at least start from for you
0: you know, I'm not a natural entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a worker bee. I do what I'm told, but that's because, you know, and that's why I do so well with business coaches. Uh, it started because I was raised in the mountains of northern Idaho, and we were very poor. My dad was a cop and our local minister, and my mom worked for min- min- minimum wage. And that we had a farm, and all the extra money they had went to the farm. And so there was just no money. Well, when I got out of high school, I did a little traveling. I kind of just was unsettled. I knew there was something more for me, but I couldn't quite identify it. I wanted to go to college, and I would- wanted to put myself through nursing school. So I actually was bartending and waiting tables, and I was just barely barely making ends meet. Well, I took a boxing class at a local YMCA and a boxing coach was watching me and he comes in there and he goes, "You know uh what's your name? How long have you been boxing?" I said, "44 minutes." And he said, "Oh, you have a propensity." Well, now that I I've been in the boxing, I understand what he means. Some people just got it, and I evidently just had it. He said, "You should fight pro." And I said, "What? I mean, are you nuts?" And he said, "I, I you could earn money doing this. Well, ding, ding, ding. That's what I needed to hear because I was broke, broke, broke. And I literally started fighting in a federally licensed professional boxer. I'm sanctioned in many states. I started fighting literally for my dinner and it ended up being an eight year long career with 15 pro fights, two world titles. And uh, I've fought all over the world and I got my own MTV show and I got all this, you know, this these great things. I mean, I've been just recognized all over in magazines and, and all that stuff problem was I started getting fat halfway through my boxing career and I'm an elite level one of the top three most dangerous females on the planet that kind of an athlete how in the world am I getting fat because I'm training three to five hours a day so I took a step back and I said what is going on I mean I was just told you just gotta exercise more well I'm exercising I'm gonna blow out a knee like what what the heck if I exercise anymore so I took a look at my diet. I realized I was shoving crap in my mouth that I could not out exercise. That's when I created the Code Red lifestyle because exercise has nothing to do with weight loss. And now the message is spreading all over the world.
2: So what does, what's what's Code Red uh, tie into? Is that the boxing or is that something else?
0: I was uh, I was sitting in nursing a nursing class and my sister was on the phone with me. Class was getting ready to start. She goes, "You know, you got your first fight coming up, sis." And I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Do you have a ring name?" I said, "A ring name." She goes, "Yeah, boxing. They have ring names like Christy Black Widow Nickel. Like we got to think of something, sis." And I said, "Well, uh, I don't know." And she goes, "How about Christy?" code red nickel because I got the red hair and I had the code for medical and I was like okay well it ended up being one of the best boxing names in ring and in boxing history and I just kept the code red name going all these years later and everything is code red everything is named code red now that's my brand (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's it's always interesting hearing where people's brands and names come from. And a lot of times it's just almost pure accident, it seems like, versus the ones they put so much thought into. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah it's still kind of flat, but...
0: I know. And and people and it's funny because I have the Mohawk on everything, you know, which is I mean, someday, someday I'm going to get old and someday this ain't going to be cool right now. It's cool. But I got the Mohawk on like pop sockets. People love the Mohawk and that's what they associate with me, you know, and so it's, it's really been fun.
2: Interesting. So how did you go? Obviously, looking at your own kind of weight loss journey, your own kind of stuff, how did that transition into now? Hey, let's go turn this into a business and actually help other people with it.
0: I knew that I had a good program, a good weight loss program that taught people how to lose weight without shakes, pills, diet foods or exercise. And I was getting weight off people. Problem was, I didn't know how to monetize. I didn't even know what the word monetize meant. I did not understand. And so I got myself a little office in downtown Boise and I sat there for 14 hours a day just waiting for people to walk in Well, nobody was walking in. I I didn't I mean, I thought the Internet was for like porn and checking the weather. I didn't know that I didn't know that the internet could be used to, I just didn't understand. And and I, I knew that the internet was there, but I didn't understand that people were building these multi-million-dollar companies online. So a woman walked in one day, she said, I heard about you. I heard about your weight loss results, my friend, blah, blah, blah. That's how, that's the only way I got clients was referrals. And it was one client at a time and I was not making ends meet. So I was on Idaho state food stamps. And she said, I want to come to you for weight loss. She ended up losing 55 pounds in five months. And in about the month, the first month in, she said, I feel fantastic. This is incredible. The world needs to hear this. I'm a business coach let me help you. And I said, okay. And I blindly trusted her and boom. I mean, it went, I made my first million in one year and I hit 10 million in three and a half years. And so it exploded. And that's because I listened to somebody so much smarter than me.
2: Yeah. That's, that's one of the keys really. Cause it's a lot of times we were talking about this kind of beforehand that the entrepreneurial kind of mindset for whatever reason, most entrepreneurs, it's like, we can do everything ourselves. That it's especially in those early days, we don't we don't need the experts. Hey, we we know how to do everything: marketing, sales, operations, etc. We can handle it all ourselves. And at some point, you kind of wake up and realize that hey, things aren't working quite as well as maybe they should be. Maybe hey, I'm just honestly not having fun with this anymore. And a lot of times, that's where we'll start seeing that that second kind of decline in, in business entrepreneurs when they start bailing out, saying, "Hey, this is not what I." not what I wanted at least, they'll say, hey, this is not what I meant to build. It's like, well, you, you really did build it, but still. So what kind of, uh, obviously a very quick ramp up kind of a thing there that's honestly not most entrepreneurial kind of journeys. So what kind of advice or what, what did that business coach really bring to you to say, hey, we, we can ramp this up a lot faster here than traditionally entrepreneur trying to figure it out themselves?
0: Well, I like to tell entrepreneurs, no, see, you don't got this. You, you got a great product. You know what you're doing, whether you're selling Mary Kay or you're, you're, you've got a plumbing business or a floral shop or whatever your business is, you are good at that. You are not good at growing the company. And so you gotta, you've got to enlist the help of people that are smarter than you. Um, the reason I was so successful was not because I was great or smart or I've got some kind of secret sauce. It's because I've, I, I'm an implementer. I do what I'm told and I do it right now. If my ad agency asks me, for, hey, Christy, we're going to go try out a new a new line of ads, a new kind of a new script. We need these videos from you. Here's your script. They're there that afternoon. Like I stop what I'm doing and I film it right then. So that's the only reason why I was so successful, because I followed exactly what Natasha said at that exact time. I mean, I did it immediately. So a couple of things she did for me is she, she scaled. Uh, we were I was not able to, um, you know, like the way I was doing things was was uh, just sucking up a tremendous tremendous amount of time, um, like I would go over someone's custom program. For example, we do these customized nutrition programs for people. They're fully, full customized programs, and and I, I you know, I charge nine ninety seven for it. And I would sit down with each individual person and go over their custom program, and it would take me over an hour. Well. Times that by, you know, and I, there was no way I could scale that. And she said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to just wear yourself out. You're wasting your time. We got to do this much more efficiently. So I started doing these videos because I was repeating the same thing to every client, just different numbers. Everybody has different, different calories, different, different, everything, different water. So she scaled, she got me to where I was freed up and I, I felt so guilty for so long because I was making all this money and not working nearly as hard. And I didn't understand. Cause that's the way I came from. A, I'm a farm kid. You know, you work hard, you work hard. That's how you get ahead. Well, not if you're doing it right.
2: Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And that's, that's really the difference between scaling because, and I suspect once you start bringing on additional employees, it's, it's, it's a mindset shift where, okay, I'm not having to sit there. Like you said, from the farm, you've got to be the one out taking care of the, the the animals or whatever, you got to go put in the hours at that point. Whereas once you start scaling, making that mind shift to say, okay, I can either trust other people to do this, or I can offload it to an ad agency. I can offload stuff like that. And to me, that's always been one of the hardest mindset shifts from an entrepreneurial kind of standpoint.
0: Yeah. And we quickly identified, what are you good at, Christy? What do you like to do? And what brings in the money? I convert better than anybody else does. So I started outsourcing the crap, building funnels, Oh my God, I've been building a funnel. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just wanted to blow my brains out when I'm building a funnel. No, I outsourced that. I outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, taxes. I outsourced everything I could, you know, and we have over 60 employees now with Code Red and everybody. I mean, I let it go, and you've got to let it go. Uh, and you've got to get people that are good at that. There are people out there that love to build funnels. They want to build your funnel. They don't want to be in front of a camera. They would rather light themselves on fire than be in front of a camera. Well, me, I'd rather be in front of a camera. I don't want to build a funnel. find people that can take that crap from you pay and entrepreneurs they're afraid they're afraid to take on help they're afraid to outsource and yet you can't you have to pull the trigger take that step it's going to free you up to make more money
2: yeah no it really will and it's, it's really what you said it's it's how do you identify and look at hey what do I like doing what do I have the capacity to do the actual ability to do and what do I want to do what and get rid of everything else kind of a thing there because like you said I don't want to do bookkeeping. I don't I don't even want to do the social engine or social media et cetera kind of marketing stuff like that. that's that's let somebody else. it's not that it's unimportant, but still somebody else can do it better. somebody else can do it more efficiently there. And that's to me, that's really one of the biggest keys to actually successfully scaling at this point is being able to there's only eight hours in a day, hopefully nine, fourteen, whatever you you're talking. You don't want to be doing 14 hours a day every day, but still, there's only so many hours a day you can really handle here. And that's going to be basically putting an artificial cap on your business and there growing
0: it. And I've gotten real good at at identifying what it is that drains me, what it is that, that, and I can feel, I can feel the pressure on my head. I can feel the pressure on my shoulders. I can feel, I mean, every time I've got to open up an email from my tax accountant, it triggers me. I want to go eat. I want to cry. I just don't like it. I don't like that. I got to write a quarter million dollar check. Like I just, ah, I mean, you know, and I can feel it. So, you know, what? I hired a CFO, you deal with Greg at the, at the accounting agency, you deal with Greg and Michelle at the bookkeeping you guys do it. I I don't even want to know about it. You just tell me when to write the check or you write the check, you know? So I, uh, you got to really come in tune with your body and what it is that really sucks the living crap out of you and get rid of it. Life is too short. You're not going to be as effective if you try to hang on to that stuff.
2: Yeah. So a lot of what we're talking about is kind of outsourcing to a CFO agency, outsourcing to a bookkeeping. What was the difference or where where did you make the mindset shift of, okay, now I need to actually hire an employee versus Outsourcing, what, what was the difference at that point?
0: I uh, I remember uh, my mom, you know, we all have the mom because, you know, your family members, they believe in you when ain't nobody else believing in you. You know, <laughs> hopefully they, so, yes, they, <laughs> right. Hopefully you've got a good family. And of course, my mom was always like, go, Christy, go, you know, my biggest cheerleader. And I remember I had released a, a T-shirt, you know, a, a shirt that everybody loved. And I think it said, take your life back or something on it, you know. And I remember my mom at two o'clock in the morning sitting on her living room floor shipping these shirts. And I just said, <laughs> you know, like, we can't we can't keep doing this, you know, or so then I started br- paying my mom like 200 bucks a month to come and do some shipping for me. some minor shipping, uh, we used to handwrite thank you notes to every person. Well, uh, I mean, we've got 2000 new clients a month coming through our challenge and I just couldn't keep that up. And so little things that were happening, uh, we used to hand bind with a coil binder that was an electric binder, every program and it'd go remember, it would, it would bind and that kind of stuff. And so as I, and I could I could tell I really keep good touch with my employees and say, how are you feeling? What are you maxed out? And when an employee gets maxed out on what he or she can handle, it's just time to bring on somebody else, you know, and we look at our customer service team, for example, and they're maxed out. So I know we're right on the cusp of having to hire a new person. And and so really keeping good tabs on how everybody's feeling, because it's my heart's desire to make sure that they are happy with their job. I pay them for six hours a day. I don't want them working nine and then being resentful to me and code red. So it's really, I think keeping good tabs on what each person I have, it's everybody is on, is on a real tight contract and, and they have bullet points of exactly what they do during the day. I can see what is being done. And if I see that someone is getting really long in their list of crap, they're doing, it's time to bring somebody else on. I don't want to wear out my people.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And so I guess taking that one step further, then how did you go from or what was, was there any change or what's the change there from going for, because to me, yes, keeping tabs on everybody is great. But at the same time, again, scalability, How you can't, you can do that for your first five or six, maybe 60 to me sounds like a a lot of people to sit there and say, okay, what right. are you doing every day kind of a thing? So what's, what's, right. how, how have you, how did you make that mind shift or what have you seen different in doing those first four or five versus now being at 60?
0: Yeah, I can certainly keep track of when I had a couple. And then we built out an org chart, an organization chart, and it showed me and then my COO and then my, my personal assistant. And we started to get everybody organized under certain people. And so Jade is in charge of, she's the director of coaches. She has all the coaches. And then we have a customer service manager that manages all the customer service reps. Then we have IT department and then we have a copywriting department. We have an advertising marketing department. So getting, it all down, write it down, sometimes old school or use a system for it and get people. So once I started getting people lined up under other people and seeing it in black and white, I was able to go, all right, I'm done. I'm not managing, managing customer service anymore. I'm not managing coaches anymore. You guys have a problem. You go to your director, you have a problem. And I only manage myself. I mean, not what, of course I manage myself. I manage my, my, my personal assistant and my COO and nobody else comes to me for anything and I you got to just trust them and then they they report to me remember test don't guess or as Reagan would say uh, trust but verify yep. they come to me with Monday reports every I have a, I'm getting my Monday reports or, or we're fi- we're filming this on a Monday my Monday reports are, are rolling in and they're telling me what's going on they they I have a format that I want I want bullet points I want to be bottom-lined let me know bam 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 and then done and so it's nice I keep my finger on the pulse, but I'm not I'm not micromanaging.
2: Yeah. And to me, that's that's one of the really keys to being able to grow that big is you've got to be able to step back out and say, Hey, I don't need to be sitting right next to you saying, Did you make your your sales calls today or whatever kind of a thing? Because that's one, that'll never instill the the accountability, the discipline kind of thing in your people. And honestly, they're not gonna have any fun with that either, most cases. So yeah. yeah they'll, that's, that's,
0: they'll, they will, they'll hate me for that as well. I'll hate me for that. I, and and I was writing down how much time I was spending on crap and I was spending a lot of crap figuring out if everybody's doing their job. Well, no, it's time to, time to scale up.
2: Well, and that's that's key. And I think it, I haven't delved into your, your weight loss program, but I would assume it probably goes in there as well Is okay. You've actually got to be able to run it and know your numbers. You've got to know what's going on in your business. Are your people how many hours are they spending? What are they spending it on? How are they, they are they maxed out kind of a thing versus I know personally with the, the weight loss side kind of thing, if I'm just thinking, hey, yeah, I'm drinking enough water or hey, I'm, I'm eating okay, then most likely I'm not versus when I actually sit down with the pick your app, whatever, and put in all the, all the food. It's like, okay, now I see exactly what's going on. And yeah, it makes sense why the scale is going the wrong direction kind of a thing. But that's, to me, it applies both on business side as well, but really being able to have those numbers know what's going on rather than just, Hey, I think the business is going okay. Or I think we've got enough money in the checking account. Oh.
0: Yeah. We don't, we don't, you don't, we don't roll like that. Not in anything we do at Code Red. You cannot just uh, think that, I mean, I keep, I mean, I'm checking my merchant accounts to see how much money I know that Code Red's goal per day is 16,000 a day. Okay. You know, like I want to see those numbers and I'm like, I'm watching, watching, not obsessive, but same thing with weight loss. I don't trust, I'm sorry. I love them, but I don't trust any of my clients and I have thousands of them coming in every month. So everybody has a checks and balance. You log, we check, check. You log, we check. You turn in your weight, we check. And so And my employees, everybody has, they're on shift, they all work shifts, they pick their shifts and they know during the shift to check, Sally, you're checking, you're checking, 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 checking all the way down the line. And then I spot check once in a while, just to kind of take a look, I kind of spot check a little bit of everything. Um, I wanna keep my finger on the pulse without it wearing me out. So yeah, nobody, uh, I mean, I hate to sound mean or weird. It's just that, no, I don't trust them. I know how weight loss goes. I used to be fat. I know people are gonna cheat when they're allowed to cheat. We don't allow people to pull that bologna on code red. You come to us when you are desperate and you're ready to change. The reason we get 10% of their body weight off a month is because I don't pull any punches. You do it my way, you go to Weight Watchers. Like, I, I don't give a rat's fanny. And I have a system in place to check and double check. Everybody gets checked.
2: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and even going back to the business side, we look at it and say, okay, what are we checking on? And that's what those people are going to live up to. If, if we're sitting there checking, OK, did you make 10 sales calls today? They're going to make those 10 sales calls. So we got to make sure, one, we're checking, but two, we're checking on the right things there. But, yeah, it's that accountability right there that's that's huge. That's just human nature more than anything. If we're going to be held accountable for something and we know about it, we're probably going to put our focus there and our energy right there.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, another example of this is my my coaches, my leaders, I have leaders, um, I have leadership. It's a leader, it's an entry level position, then a senior leader, and then a, a certified coach. And uh, they, we believe at Code Red and walking the talk. And we uh, not only we have to stay at a certain goal weight or within a certain couple of pounds of your goal weight, but once in a while, I will make them submit progress pictures to me. And that's like in a swimsuit or something, you know, it's a progress picture. I mean, they post them all the time on Instagram. You see them in Victoria's secret catalogs. You can send one to me. I want to see if you are walking the talk. I want to see if you're lying, you know, and they got to, they have to send in a picture of the scale. They got to send in. And I mean, I'm holding their feet to the fire because I've watched the best of them fall. Even my COO, even me, I got to turn it in too. And so everybody has got to step up the line and I demand excellence from my team.
2: No, that makes sense. So taking that kind of the next step, why do you think or where do you see business leaders, e- either top or, or middle of the company kind of a thing, struggling when it comes to making changes or making adjustments that, hey, things are not on track, not working quite as well, and we need to make a change here, personnel or whatever else is going on?
0: What I've seen across the board, hands down, without a doubt, is you guys are not consistent. You're not being consistent. And you like, you know, you're you're waiting until the sun and the moon and the stars align and and the the tears of the Tibetan monks are not. No, no, listen. If you're trying to grow your dental hygienist, you're trying to grow your Mary Kay business on the side, ladies, and you need to be every night coming home from your job and spending an hour checking your emails, checking your DMs, and put throwing up a, a, a foundation bottle on a live video and saying, Hey guys, listen, we got a new shade out. I'm giving a ten dollar discount. DM me like it's so easy, but they are not consistent. They're not posting consistently. They're not emailing consistently. They're not showing up for the community consistently. And that is, that is frustrating. A lot of people also, a lot of entrepreneurs, they will give up when the going gets rough. Uh, listen, I have not let my foot off the gas in four and a half years. Revenue might be down. I don't back off on my ad spend. I don't back off on my I don't lay off employees. I get that 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 might be your situation. And you had to and I'm not judging you. But don't Don't back down when the going gets rough. I have been knocked off my pedestal so many times and embarrassed and humiliated and lost money, but I got right back up and kept going. All right, how can I change? Make sure I'm not making the same mistake again. Don't back down and be consistent. Show up every day after I get done with you, Jeff, I'm getting ready to talk to a guy that's trying to create, you know, I'm not a business coach, but he asked me for some advice and I, I see him online. He's not even, she's not, he's not consistent. He's just, no. you know, he's just kind of halfway doing it. Look, you want to make millions and reach millions because you guys are all dream of personal shoppers and private jets, but you're not willing to do the work.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's really clear on doing the work for sure. But even going back to what we were talking about before, about knowing what's going on in the company, knowing what's going on with your people If you've got that level of information, that level of data, to me, that's that's what makes decisions easier because hey, I I can see what's going on here. I can almost gives you a little bit of fortune telling kind of a thing, looking into the into the future of okay, I've got a track of what's going on here. I can see that, okay, pick a rep, whatever, sales rep, you're not making your numbers for the last three months and having some of those conversations. And now, okay, that decision's a whole lot clearer rather than operating in a vacuum when you don't have that information It's like okay now what do i do so it's it's really looking at that information that you were talking about or having those numbers you were talking about
0: and be clear with your staff tell them you want these numbers and and they'll you know and hold their feet to the fire you shouldn't have to if they're if they're good people and good ethical people that are that are are doing their job the way they should but be clear with what you want. My staff knows I am very clear. I bullet point it. I want this, this, this. I want it by noon mountain time. And they deliver. So don't be wishy-washy. Oh, whatever you get it to me is okay. No, 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 no. You give people an inch, they take a mile. They'll be clear with what you need. Look at those numbers. Test, don't guess. Trust, but verify. And your people will provide your reports for you.
2: Yeah. So taking that one step further, and I kind of expect I already know where you're going to answer with this one, just what we're talking about. But how do you rate the idea of transparency in the business in terms of finances, plans and goals, personnel, how do, how do you operate from a transparency kind of standpoint with with Code Red?
0: Jeff, that's got to be one of the best questions I've ever had. Wow. So, I this is a great question because it it you can there's a there's a difference between being vulnerable and being weak. And I think that when you, you know, as a as a, as I guess I'm a CEO, I hate to, I like to see, see myself as an entrepreneur as a, then rather than a CEO, a CEO, but I show up online or, you know, people like crying on camera. Okay. A little bit of that was okay. But you know, so I have tested this theory with my staff and with, with my community. How much do I say? How much do I show? How much do they know? Now the people listening to you right now, I threw out a number of 16 K a day. Uh, you know, I I I want to be able to make a certain amount of money. I I've told you guys, I'm a ten million dollar company. I told you, I. I I don't think, I think that these numbers help when I'm speaking to this audience. Uh, but what I've noticed is sometimes I talk about money to my weight loss audience and they don't like it too much. They don't, they don't care. Look, all someone cares about is, can you help me, Christy, lose some weight? All right. I I, I haven't, uh, my knees hurt, my hands hurt, and I'm busting out my LuLaRoe leggings. Like, can you help me? They don't really care about the conversion rate. I'm converting at 14.1% to cold traffic. Yeah, we don't even know what that means, Christy. So certainly- <laughs> Certain audiences, I'll say certain numbers, but this is a touchy subject. And I always think as for my staff, as staff meetings, I don't run the staff meetings anymore. My second in charge does. But when I show up, I'm thinking I'm going to throw out some numbers and they'll better understand. No, they don't. They don't really care. They don't. They just want to do their job. They want to raise their kids. They don't care about the intricate details and numbers like I like I do and like I thought that they would. So I t- I've been pulling that back a little bit lately and just not sharing with them like, guys, our revenue is down. We only made $8,000 today. That doesn't mean anything to them. I mean, that's a lot of money to most people. So when I say that they don't realize, look, payroll alone is 150 K a month. Like they don't know the scale of what I'm talking about. So I started really backing down on what I share with people. I just kind of share with them what I think they need to know. And I don't really share a whole lot more.
2: Interesting. Okay. Cause yeah, I just look at, especially like this, this year we're obviously recording this and still hopefully the trailing ends of the, the pandemic, but still in the middle of this pandemic. And it's like, okay, we've seen a lot of companies have to lay off. People have to have to downsize. And I just, it's curious talking to different business owners is Okay. How much transparency do they have within the business to say that, okay, do your employees see that, okay, revenues are down, things are trending the wrong direction, so therefore this may be coming, or does it turn into kind of a surprise because they just didn't know what was going on with right. the company? So it's, it's interesting because a lot of people, like you said, some people either can better identify with the revenue numbers or some people just flat out don't want don't to share those in the first place kind of thing. So it's always interesting hearing different takes on that.
0: Yeah. And I noticed like um, they have access to my merchant accounts because what we have to do is we verify purchases and we have to do refunds or we'll do, you know, we'll invoice people and they can see what's rolling in for Code Red. And I used to be really paranoid, like, oh, they're going to know what we make or whatever. And so they see their revenues down, but they don't know revenues down. I'm thinking, can't they see this? What won't, won't they be worried? You know, but they really aren't. They just kind of, they just grind along They're worker bees. They grind along. Nobody really knows anything. And then if I come to them and say, if I send an email or I pop in on a staff meeting, say, guys, listen, we need everybody to be posting on social media about our latest sale. Or can I get you guys all to please spread the message? Or can everybody please? Then they kind of go, oh, geez, boy, we must be kind of getting a little lean here. Because Christy's here, so I try to say something when the going gets rough.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, I was—I just remember dealing with one one client at one point where we were in a meeting with the leadership team, and I asked him, it's like, okay, so what's the revenue picture for last year?" He immediately backed there, clam down, and said, "Well, we'll talk about that offline." It's like, okay, if you can't ah. even share revenues with your senior leadership team, right. and like you said, I know your employees, the the financial group or whatever, they're in your merchant account, they they know what's going on, but. To some pro- degree, they don't actually have the clear picture because they're only seeing the revenues coming in. They don't have any idea, like you said, what the expenses are. So in some respects, that's actually the worst thing because they're sitting here saying, why, wow, we made $2 million yeah. this month. Right. Why, why is she not paying us any more money? It's like, well, you don't know the other half of the business kind of thing here. Right. It's not that Christy's sitting here taking all that home every month. It's, it's like you said, we've got a huge payroll. We've got a huge ad spend or whatever kind of a thing growing this business. So having that that clearer picture overall.
0: I like to throw little things out. The other day I said something about, "Oh, we rented the Hilton for Code Red Live and it was 40,000 to rent the Hilton in Salt Lake City." And I said, "Uh, well, I had to I rented it for $40,000." And I thought their heads were going to I mean, they almost jaws came unhinged over that. I said, "You guys don't know how much it takes to run Code Red." I mean, my American Express bill every month is 100,000. You know, and they're like, what you know and i so it, it's it is good for to throw a few things out there to put it in perspective i think
2: yeah now in perspective really helps so um so looking forward a little bit what what's what's the the future obviously you said weight loss is kind of recession proof here obviously a little bit but what what's the what's the future look like for code red what what are you trying to what's your goal is going forward
0: yeah, we're starting to try to clean it, clean up the mess of the of the lockdown and people doing like the quarantine 15. And I I know we're gonna be all right and and we're fine. But so moving forward, I'm really taking a good look at my numbers. So what I notice is I have 2,000 people, roughly two to three thousand, that come into my 10 pound takedown every month. So I convert 10 to 20 percent to my high ticket package. Well, what happens to that 80 percent? So if it's to, what happens at 1,800 clients, I just notice I've paid to acquire them, but they're not continuing. Continuing on with us. And I'm like, so right now we're really working on what can we sell those people? What can we do? What can we offer to sell us to serve? What problem can I solve for them that they, and so we're diving in as we speak. We're diving into what program can I create to scoop up? And it's a roughly, I mean, it's another almost 150,000 if I just sell 40% of those leftover people. this. Program that I'm developing. I mean, it's another 150K a month that of revenue we could bring in. Plus, it would solve a problem. Of course, my heart's in the right spot. We are solving a problem, which is what you're doing, guys. You listen to me. That's what entrepreneurs do. We solve problems. And so I'm kind of looking at that. I've got another book coming out this spring. I've written several books um, called, oh, I can, I'm not supposed to say, I'm, I almost said what it was called. I'm, I was told I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, we've got, um, I I hired a new agency to manage my YouTube. We're going to grow my YouTube. We're going to put out five new videos a month. So, uh, you know, it's really hard to implement new programs that cost money. And when you're bringing on a a YouTube agency that costs $10,000 a month, um, at my level, that's like, oh, it might cause you pause when you're in a pandemic. But I just don't believe in letting my foot off the gas pedal. I know this is going to convert. I know it's going to be all right. Uh, We're growing my podcast, the Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. Right now it's ranked number 250 out of every single podcast in the United States, which is, uh, I think, 800,000, 900,000. So it's it's incredible. And so those are kind of things that we're, we're doubling down on as far as travel goes. I would love to speak more, but I don't think that, I think it's going to be virtually. Uh, but anytime I can spread the message of hope and healing or giving entrepreneurs uh, some way to kind of grasp on and say, you know what, Christy's right. I'm going to get up, get dressed. I'm going to start taking better care of myself. I'm going to show up and, and shine my light and spread the message I'm meant to spread. Then that's always fun for me.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. Still looking forward to looking to say, hey, we're, we're growing. And especially like you're saying with the, the customer base, because a lot of times people will look at, okay, well, everything to get a new customer. It's like, okay, keep them. You, you've already paid the money to get them here. Why, why are you going out and spending more money to go grab the next new customer? Figure out how you can keep that back into the funnel a little bit fuller at that point. So yeah, that's 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 good and that's key there. So I know that,
0: Sorry, Jeff, uh, let me jump in one more thing. I know that uh, social media is... Um, uh, unstable you know especially that that Netflix show that came out i mean it shows that ah so i did create my code red app and we really want to migrate to the app and get off social media as far as needing it to deliver our product. We want to be able to deliver our product in a more controlled atmosphere. And so I, I really kind of encourage you guys, I don't know what kind of business you guys have, but think about making sure that you foolproof your business to where you don't rely on some someone that has more control over how you're delivering your product.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. That's I've seen a lot of people with that where you got your business so tied upon I was talking with another one the other day. It was everything was tied into Amazon storefronts, and they went and changed their whole model of how, what products you could offer, what couldn't you, and just major impact to their business there. So yeah, it's always be careful anytime you're depending solely upon a third party platform or something like that to deliver or carry your product because that's that's a big risk at that point. Sometimes, granted, starting out you gotta you don't have the the expertise or the the resources to go build a whole app or something like that. But still, the that needs to be in a a plan, at least getting off of that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I know we've talked about a whole bunch of things, but I always like to wrap up just saying, okay, going back five years or however many years, if I had just known X, or if I had just tried X sooner, the journey might be at least, at least a little bit smoother kind of a thing. What's, what's one thing you might've pulled out with that?
0: I would have gotten a business coach sooner that's the bottom line. I think about, you know, I think about, okay, well, I mean, I, I was walking the talk, I was posting online, I was doing all the things that we need to do. I was, I was, I had a good product. None of that was my thing. It was, I would have gotten, I wouldn't have waited to get a business coach. I didn't know what I didn't know. And a business coach knows, they know that, they know how to grow, they know how to scale, they know how to get you prepared for what's coming. They know how to say, ah, there are an extra set of ears, extra set of eyes. And if I would have had one sooner, I would have hit millions, even sooner,
2: yeah. No, it's. I, I hate to be self-serving with that one, but yeah, it really is. Of just if nothing else, having that outside accountability, like you're saying, even with the weight loss, of saying, okay, yeah, we can do ourselves, but a lot of times, well, if I cut this corner, if I don't do that, or I'll, I'll put that off till later, like you said, with the account, with the the videos getting produced for the ad agency, things like that. Having somebody on the outside to sit there and hold you accountable, and say, hey, have you done this yet? Have you done this? Why are you doing this? Is huge difference maker right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I encourage you. I encourage you guys to get a business coach if you, if you don't have one. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's the downside almost to that is there's so many different areas that can be difficult finding the right fit, but still, yeah, that's definitely key of having that outside accountability partner there for sure. So unfortunately running out of time here. So I want to say thanks again for, for joining us, for coming on. Um, If visitors want to learn more about your program, more about you, where can they I'm assuming it's probably got something to do with Code Red, but where, where can they find you here?
0: Yeah, you can go Christy Code Red on all the socials, but the best place to get started is 10poundtakedown.com, the number 10, P-O-U-N-D, takedown.com. That's the best way to kind of dip your toe into the lifestyle and see if you like me and see if you like what I teach.
2: Sounds great. And yeah, we'll have all the links and everything here in the show notes. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.